Hey, welcome to Capital Advantage Tutoring. Okay, so again, if you want to pass the Series 7's SIE, join my videos, follow along, and watch the other ones. And feel free to join my join my lives every Tuesday night, 8.30 p.m. The best way to do it is if you like what I'm doing and you want to get notified, hit the subscribe and the little bell button so that you know that when I put my stuff on. So types of debt instruments. So they're going to start with treasuries. So the treasuries... <clears throat> are bonds debt issued by the federal government, the federal government. So they're issued by the federal government, which means they have no default because they are backed by the government who can what they, they can print their own money. So that's what treasuries are. So remember bills, notes, bonds, trips, strips, tips, and CMBs, which I've never seen a question on. So I remember this bills, notes, bonds, tips, and strips. That's what I think of bills, notes, bonds, tips, and strips. Those are all bonds that are issued by the government the federal government, not the state government, and they have no default risk. So we have treasury notes and treasury bonds, which are sort of the same thing. They pay a coupon. They're issued with a coupon, which means they pay you every six months. Okay. The difference is a T-note is from two to 10 year maturity, which means you buy it and you can buy it up to two years or up to 10 years. A T-bond would be anything more than 10 years. Okay. So that's it. That's really the big difference between them is that a T-note is two to 10 years, a T-bond is over 10, up to 30. Again, they pay a coupon every six months. And how do we do the, how do we know what they're paying? Well, it's always based on a thousand. You can buy it in denominations of a hundred. Don't think that's testable, but that's a real world thing. Um, so if you buy a 4% treasury note or treasury bond, it means you're gonna get 40 bucks a year, 4% of a thousand. If you get an 8% treasury, it's gonna be $80, which is 8% of a thousand every year. But you don't get paid once a year, get paid every six months. So they have semi-annual payments. That's T-notes and T-bonds. Now, the problem with these things is that since they are so safe, they have a very low coupon, safety, coupon, risk, reward. So the problem is inflation is the rising cost of goods in the economy. So these things have a, such a low coupon, they have a lot of inflation risk. So they created a thing called a TIPS, T-I-P-S, Treasury Inflation Protection Security. These are, what they do is they have a coupon, say it's a 5% coupon. If inflation goes up by 10%, well, the par value goes up by 10%. So now instead of it being 5% of 1,000, it's paying 5% of 1,100, which is $55, which equates with the inflation. So it doesn't beat inflation, but the tips are coupon paying bonds. They pay every six months for up to 30 years, par value 1,000, but they adjust the par value for inflation. So it matches inflation. So the only time you would really give someone this is if you hear them say they want a bond that has no default risk and is going to keep pace with inflation. Because remember, since they're giving you a benefit of an inflation protection, the coupon you start with will be lower. So you have it's a trade-off. So then they have what they call non-interest bearing. I don't like that because they do have interest. It just pays at the end. It's non-coupon. So T-bills are what they call a zero coupon. You buy it at a discount like $9.90, and at maturity, you get the 1000 That $10 is your interest, okay? So a T-bill and all zero coupons pretty much are this way. You buy them at a discount, and you get the full par value at the end, and that's your interest, the difference between where you bought it and where it matured. So but T-bills are very short-term, considering we kind of say that they're the risk-free rate of return which means there's no default risk. Think about it. There's no default risk. There's no interest rate risk too short term. There's no inflation risk too short term. 
there's no reinvestment risk. You're not actually getting anything. And if you those risks, if you want, I have a video called All About the Risk. Go look at that one. I'll try to figure out a way to put it a link up here in this moment. Now, the yield, the maturity on these are three months. It's one month, three months, six months, and possibly a year. They may quote it in weeks, four, 13, 26, 52 weeks. They may do it in days, 30, 90, 183, whatever, 365. Okay. No, they normally rarely haven't issued a year one in a while, but know that that is a possibility. Okay. They, again, they are a discount. They can, they're considered to be trading flat, no accrued interest, because you're not getting paid until the end. <clears throat> also, when they quote a T bill, it is quoted in a yield. So if you buy a T-bill for $9.90, you're paying $9.90 and you're getting $10 at the end. Well, $10, well, you're getting $1,000 at the end, but you're making $10. So that $10 is considered interest. $10 out of $1,000, which is par, is 1%. So they're saying you bought it at 1%. If you bought it at $9.80, you're getting $20 at the end. You're getting a full thousand, but you're making $20. $20 out of 1,000 is 2%, so you bought it at 2%. So T notes and T bonds are quoted as a percentage of par, 101, 105, 98, which means 980 or 1,001. But T bills are quoted as a yield basis, which means you're buying it at the yield. They don't say you bought it at 990, you say you bought it at 1%. They don't say you bought it at 980, you say you bought it at 2%. Okay, so here they talk about what they call stripped security. That's just a zero coupon, make it very easy. Treasury steps and <clears throat> they call CMBs if they want to talk about it. They basically are zero coupon. CMBs are for if we need money real quick, but nobody ever does them. Okay. They can be a day, they can be a week, they can be, you know, six months, whatever. Okay. Now it's a zero coupon. Strips are up to 30 years zero coupons. So it means they call them a deep discount. You may buy it at like 600 and it matures at a thousand. So that $400 is your interest, but you're not getting it right away. You're getting it in the next 30 years. So that's where that is. So we have zero coupons, <clears throat> but there are T-bills, strips, and CMBs. CMBs, I don't care about. T-bills are short-term, like a money market. Strips are long-term, up to 30 years. A lot of times they like to buy them for college savings or what they call target-based investing. Target-based investing meaning that it's, um, I'm putting in money now. And I have a target, say I need five grand in five years. I'll buy a $5,000 face amount strip right now to, um, well, buy a $5,000 strip right now, but I only have to pay like 3,500 or four grand for it. But knowing that in five years when it matures, I'm getting the five grand. So a lot of times they like to say it's for college. I disagree. I think inflation will kill you. But if you see college savings strips are a choice because say, you know, your college is going to be 10 grand, haha. In 20 years, you could buy like maybe $10,000 strips for like 600 bucks and knowing that they'll be worth 10 grand at the end. Okay. Now, <clears throat> okay, so the auction, just understand this is what you need to know. In the treasuries, they do an auction, okay? I, nobody's ever going to test you on the on the frequency of these things, but here it is on, pay, on the, in the chapter five, they have the frequency. But understand the shorter the bond, the more often they do it. So the T-bills are normally every week, at worst, every four weeks. The notes and bonds are done either monthly or quarterly. You don't need to know that shit, okay? You, um, no, you don't need to know that. So as far as you need to know on this is that they're done by auction, which means that the, 
the treasury will put out an auction and people put in their bids and that determines, you know, the coupon. So there's a thing called competitive versus non-competitive. So a competitive bid is usually anything over 5 million and it's done by the bankers, the banks and the mutual funds and, and primary dealers really. And what they're doing is they're putting in a bid that they're willing to accept. So if I'm going to issue a bond and I don't know the coupon yet, I will look at all the bids and I will start with the lowest bid and take in I don't even explain it the best way because it's more of a Dutch auction. It's not really necessary to know, but what they're going to do is they're going to come in and start with the lowest coupon that everyone's willing to get. And then they take those. And then the next, they go the next, all the, they work all the way up until they, until they sell all their bonds. So those are competitive. And the thing is, if I say 4%, I'm Goldman and I want bonds at 4% and you're a JP Morgan and you want one at 5%. Well, if I, if the issuer starts at the bottom and fills all the bonds from 1%, 2%, 3%, up to 4%. You are too greedy. You don't get bonds. I do. But remember, anyone who puts in a bid who gets accepted gets 4%. So they're getting a 4% bond. Those are competitive. Non-competitive is what actually you, me as individuals will go on a website, type in, I want you know $5,000 worth of treasury bonds, and I don't put in a coupon. I just say I want them. So non-competitive means I don't care. It's like a market order, I guess. I don't care about the coupon. I just want a bond. So I will, I'm willing to accept whatever bond, whatever coupon they go with. So that's competitive versus non-competitive. Okay. Agency securities are kind of, they're, they're, they kind of are issued by the federal agencies and stuff like that. So I kind of lump them together, but understand there's only one that's backed by the government and hopefully we'll get to that. I'm going through the book as we do it. So I'm being surprised too. So treasuries and agencies are not the same thing. Direct obligation of the federal government are the bills, notes, bonds, tips, and strips. The agencies are kind of like, they're kind of, they serve a purpose like the mortgages or something like that. Okay. So the first, so you might see the word GSE, government sponsored entities, enterprises. These are basically, um, they're privately owned companies, but the, um, the government allows them, they're basically providing low cost loans for like farmers and stuff like that. And some people who buy homes, federal home loan, federal farm credit bank. I have such a mental block with those things and still I do well on the exam. So I'm not worried about it. Federal farm credit is do, it basically provides funding for farmers. And then the federal home loan stuff is to help like people who need, um, it's so savings and loans can get money so they can lend money out for, um, Houses. Okay. So now mortgage backed securities. I may delete that whole thing. So mortgage backed securities are done by the agencies like Ginnie Mae, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, stuff like that. Okay. Now they are what they call pass through securities. Pass through securities means that if you have a mortgage, you buy a house, you buy a mortgage, you're paying the bank every month. They, the bank actually doesn't hold on to the mortgage. What they do is they sell the loan to someone else who then buys the income stream. So what happens is I, I pay, I buy my, you buy your house, you're paying $1,000 a month to the bank. The bank sells that loan to someone else who now has the, your loan. So you're paying the bank, but it's really going to that other person. They used to have, used to have to switch it every time. Now, usually there's a processor like an Aquin. Or you pay them and then it, then it gets spread out to whoever actually bought the loan. 
So if you sell the loan, it'll if somebody sells the loan, it'll still go through Aquin, say, but Aquin will just pay someone else. And then if they sell it, it'll they'll pay someone else. But a pass-through certificate means if an investor comes in and buys this loan, the income that your that the mortgage holder is paying in passes through all the entities right to the investor. That's what it means by pass-through. Okay. Now, so the homeowner has the, the principal and interest they pay to the bank who goes into a pool of interest. And then we have an investor. I have a whole thing on this somewhere. But the investor on the other side buys into this pool of mortgages. So I'm going to back up a little bit. Bank, I am a mortgage pooler. So I'm going to buy a bunch of mortgages from Bank America, from Credit Suisse, from Wells Fargo, all of them. And I package them together. Okay, I package the mortgages together and I now I'm getting that. So all the people making their mortgage payments, I'm getting the money, but I don't want to do that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to sell pieces of that pool to other investors. So what happens is if you buy into this and you invest in this, you're going to buy a little piece of a bunch of different mortgages. So all these people paying in, you're going to get a little piece of it. And then I bring in a bunch of investors. So you technically say there's 500 mortgages in the pool. You may own like 50 cents of each mortgage as an investor. So every time somebody makes a payment, you'll get 50 cents from all the different people. It comes as one check. It's just easier to think of that way. Now, the problem with this is that if people prepay and refinance the mortgage, they're paying it off. So instead of you having 500 mortgages, you now have 499. That's really a conversation for the Series 7. But understand how this works, that basically as a mortgage-backed security, People are paying the mortgages, it goes to the pool, and then it gets flowed right to you through. That's the pass-through. It passes right through the entities into your pockets. But remember, you're investing and you're actually owning a piece of like 500 different mortgages. Okay. Now, Freddie Mac is a federal home loan. Fannie Mae is the federal national. Those two are not backed by the government. They basically buy mortgages that are conforming. But somewhere there's something, either they're FHA loans or they're veteran commiseration loans, but, but they're never really big loans, okay? They're not like $800 you know, million dollars or $2 million loans. They're all what they call conforming loans, and they are not. But the thing is, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are not backed by the government, which means if the homeowner defaults, they sell the house, and they try to pay off the investors. If there's still money owed then the agency, Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, will try to help and pay off the investor. If they don't have that, they're out of luck. Then we have the Ginnie Mae, which is G, think G for government. Ginnie Mae is G-N-M-A. Government National Mortgage Association is backed by the government. That means the difference here is that they only buy specific FHA or VA, VA loans, veteran, administra uh, veteran administration loans, which are in, those are turned back by the government. So here's what happens. If somebody who gets out of the army under the GI Bill gets to buy a house and he, and he doesn't make the mortgage payments and they default, they will sell the house. If there's money owed, then Ginnie Mae will come pay. And if this Ginnie Mae doesn't have enough money, then the federal government will pay. So the investor has no default risk on this, okay, because the government ultimately backs it. So Fannie and Freddie have some default risk, so they have a higher coupon. Ginnie Mae has no default risk, so they have a lower coupon. Now, the risk here is on a on an easy government-backed or even any mortgage-backed security. The risk is that the homeowner is going to refinance the mortgage, which means if they say you have a mortgage with Bank America, 
and all of a sudden interest rates drop, you want to go, oh, I want that better rate. You will go to another bank maybe and borrow the money at a lower rate and then they will pay off your old mortgage. That's prepayment risk. So now the owner of this, the investor who is getting these monthly payments now has one less mortgage because you paid yours off. That's your prepayment risk. Prepayment risk is if interest rates drop, people, homeowners or the mortgage holder is going to refinance and pay the bond off, which means you as the investor are now not making that money. You just have a chunk of money, but you're not getting income and income off of it anymore, which means then you're going to take that money and try to reinvest it in more mortgage-backed securities. Ah, but interest rates are lower, so you're making less money. I think that helps a little bit. Okay. Muni bonds. Muni bonds are bonds issued by states, territories, possessions, stuff like that. Any any town, state, board of direct, board of board. I say that every time. Board of education, territories, you know, uh, Puerto Rico, Guam, Samoa, stuff like that. They have some default risk because they're not backed by the government. Remember that. Treasuries have no default risk. Ginny Mays have no default risk. That's kind of it. Muni bonds have some default risk. So the reason states issue muni bonds is to raise money to cover their services and stuff they do. So the two types of muni bonds are geos and revenues. But I'm going to go back for one second. Why do I buy a muni versus a corporate? Well, here's the magic of this. Treasuries, their interest is taxable on the federal level, but not the state. Munis, the interest, interest, not the principal, the interest that you get every six months is not federally taxable, but it is state tax. Unless, of course, you buy it in your own state and then you don't pay any taxes. So if you buy a muni in your own state, you pay no federal and most likely not even state tax. So it's tax-free. So rich people buy munis, poor people buy corporates. Now, different types of munis, back to this, a GO is for stuff that is free to use, like your high school, public high school, libraries, the regular roads, the parks, they're free. So there's no money coming in to maintain them. So they issue a geo bond to build it and pay for it. And then they use taxes, property taxes.